0: <laughs> All right, thank you, Master. Out of way. Uh, let's pray. Our Lord, Whew. oh, we pray with the Apostle John. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We pray with you, Lord Jesus. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we do ask that you will shepherd us into your presence today as you really are, that the truth of who you are, triune God, the truth of who you are and what you have accomplished for us as the God who loves mercy will become clearer to us than ever before and that it would enable us, motivate us and enable us to walk in you as you really are and as you have granted to us the honor of doing. We ask this of you, Good Shepherd. Amen. Amen. Number 210 in the hymnal. The words will be on the screen. Oh, wait, I forgot to read. <laughs> excuse me, I skipped over the scripture reading. <sighs> okay, folks. Am I the second oldest guy? I'm 75. Okay. You, you you One of these days you'll get this. Okay, all right. Psalm, excuse me, Matthew chapter 1, verses 8 through 20. 18 through 25. 18. 18 through 25. I I gave him wrong information. This is all my fault, not Master Stephen's fault. Matthew one eighteen. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife. And he did not know her, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And that's the beginning of our rescue. Now, <laughs> hymn number 210, to give grace, provision, and glory, a positive outcome. That's why we're praying You've incited us to prayer because you are the God who answers prayer with greater glory than our wildest imagination. The fact that the, peop- the people are in this room, or that are seated in this room, are evidence of your ability to raise the dead. We were all dead. And tre- First, Peter, chapter one, chapter two. First Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And I was very ambitious when I set out what I was going to cover, and we might cover it, but we've got the Lord's Supper coming up, and uh, the mind can only absorb as much as the seed can endure. So, First uh, Peter chapter two, beginning in verse 18. Now I say, in the in the, of course, none of you have the program, so this is just between me and Stephen and Lara. I'm actually going to start with verse 13, which is where we ended last time uh, we ended with verse 17 but I want to because we need to get a running start because the Holy Spirit is pushing through Peter's pen basically the same message in different contexts 1st Peter 2:13. therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, Fear God, honor the king. Servants, slaves, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was Deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives." when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women... Who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life." That your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he that would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Whew. Well, in the context, the previous context, which we went back to and read from, Peter is talking to people in the regions of, the, he stated in the for beginning of chapter 1, to the, to the chosen, to God's people. What is one of the favored terms the Jewish culture likes to use of themselves? Oh, we are the chosen people. Last year, we had a fellow from Chosen People Ministries that came and did a Passover presentation for us. That is a favorite term, to the chosen. That's who Peter is writing to. But the chosen people, those who are dispersed abroad in the the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, those Roman provinces up in what is modern-day Turkey, But he's speaking not only to the Jews. He knows that there are Gentile Christians reading this over their shoulder. So everything he has to say is valid not only for the Jews who have come to faith in Christ, but to the Gentiles. And by the way, what is one of the main things that Peter is very aware of? And he repeats, you are in a hostile environment. You Jews who have come to faith in Christ, you have enemies within the Jewish culture who have rejected you, who have made themselves your enemies because you have abandoned the the Jewish culture format that makes more out of the law than God ever purposed for them to make out of the law. And they are angry with you that you have abandoned that in favor of the work of the Redeemer, Jesus of Nazareth. They're angry with you and that's repeated especially in Paul's epistles but also Peter is dealing with that Jewish people who have been rejected by the Jewish community but also they have enemies in the pagan community the pagan community the gentile community hates these people but they also hate the gentiles who have abandoned their paganism in favor of the of being Jesus followers so Peter is addressing people this letter is going to people who are in very difficult life circumstances but what's he telling them Jesus of Nazareth God the son come in the flesh is your example and that's where he ended the passage the passage we closed with where he is re- repeating from the hebrew scriptures a prophetic statement about Jesus who was steadfast who was loyal And did God give Jesus victory? Well, he did come out of that tomb. What is God's promise to us? We too will be raised from the dead, not only in that day to come, but ladies and gentlemen, we can walk in the resurrection power of Jesus right now. Right now, in the face of all of this opposition, all of this turmoil, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit walking with us shoulder to shoulder through all of this. Whether it's in the culture in general, your town, your family environment, a lot of these Jews had been rejected by their families, as well as the Gentiles being rejected by their family members. What did we just pray for a few minutes? People that we know of within our own extended families that are suppressing The gospel. As we looked at it last week in chapter 2 verses 13 through 17 ends by talking about with the government. Submit to the king. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake because God's reputation is attached to your words and your behavior. For the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, governors is sent by those for punishment of evildoers, praise of those who do good, as I noted last week. You know, every nation, every government on the planet, no matter the level of righteousness or wickedness, they have their job one is to keep an orderly society. Even if you're a knucklehead Nero, <laughs> you know. You don't want people plundering. You don't want people robbing. You don't want people breaking into... No, you enforce the moral law. You, you punish murderers. You punish thieves. You punish these people. Keeping an orderly society, even in a pagan environment, is job one of any government. And so what is Peter saying? Don't be a lawbreaker. Don't be a criminal. <laughs> okay? Okay. I think we can say that's reasonably good advice. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, because God's reputation is attached to you. Whether the king is supreme or governors as to those sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Well, look at the foolishness when when the Jewish religious leaders brought Jesus to Pontius Pilate. And he said, okay, what are you accusing him of? Never mind that. (laughs) Just crucify him. What? That's not how it works. Are you guys nuts? What are you accusing him of? Well, he does came to be the king of the Jews, And Jesus, yes, that's true. He does claim to be the son of God, which really freaked out Pilate. (laughs) And then why did Pilate agree to Jesus' crucifixion? Because they cornered him. If you do not crucify this man who claims to be king of the Jews, you are no friend of Caesar's, the emperor's. And Pilate is already in personal jeopardy with the new emperor. Because he had been appointed to his position by the head of the Praetorian Guard who actually started a plot to kill the emperor. And so anybody appointed by that fellow named Sejanus, who's already been executed, anybody appointed by Sejanus is suspect. And so you're not a friend of the emperor. And that was actually a term in the Roman world that meant you always put the emperor's interests ahead of your own. And so he was already in jeopardy actually of being executed himself because of their uncertainty about his loyalty. So that's when he agreed to crucify Jesus. But he said, I'm also washing my hands of the blood of this just man. He knew Jesus was innocent. For this is the. Do you think it might be possible that we will encounter Pilate and his wife when we get into the kingdom? (laughs) I think so. This is the will of God that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. Your number one job is to serve God's reputation in your community. As bondservants of God, honor all people. Don't defame anybody because of their place in the culture or their ethnicity. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Be servants of one another. Fear God. Give to God the understanding and respect and faith that he rightly deserves. Honor the king. Even knucklehead Nero had been appointed by God to be in that place for a period of time that actually ended up causing a gospel outbreak in Rome. Nero's own mother came to faith in Jesus. Yeah. Okay, now moving into the new material. Servants. He's spoken to them as members of the culture, the Gentile Jewish culture. This is what you're to do, but also you slaves. Ouch. You people who have no rights. In the Roman world, a slave owner could literally take his slave out into the street to the public square and murder his slave in front of everybody. And that slave had no legal protection at all. He was a legal non-entity. He or she was a legal non-entity. And so here are some of these slaves who have come to faith in Jesus. And what does he say to, the, to them? Be submissive to your masters with all fear, granting them the respect that they are due. Not only the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. Was Jesus submissive to the harsh? You know what? Jesus could have called down all of the angelic hosts and killed Annas and Caiaphas, the high priests, who were engineering his murder, (laughs) did he do that? No, he didn't. Why? He had a task to perform of becoming our redeemer. And he's actually using his enemies to accomplish his task. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, as Jesus was with Annas and Caiaphas. For this is commendable if, because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. You know what? Especially these masters that were pagans, are they going to ask their servants to do, their slaves to do bad things that violate God's moral code? You bet they are. Don't obey those commands. Take the punishment they measure out to you when they command you to do something wicked. And do it quietly. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God when endures grief, suffering wrongfully. And oh, by the way, what credit is it (laughs) if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Okay, you did something really dumb, really out of line. You knew it. And then... Oh lord, I'll take my punishment. Patient. Well, exactly. This is punishment you actually deserve. <laughs> but when you do good and suffer if you take it patiently, this is com- as Jesus did. This is commendable before God. For to this you are called. Ouch. Ooh, yikes. This is part of our job description, folks. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth who when he was reviled did not revile in his turn Annas and Caiaphas stood at the foot of Jesus cross this is just one example They stood at the foot of Jesus' cross, mocking him with the shocking words, and I'm sure many others, but the words that are quoted is, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. Number one, they admitted to knowing probably far more miracles than we have laid out in the Gospels. He saved others. Himself, he cannot save. Is that true? No. He could have called down a legion of angels right now and gotten himself off of that cross. He chose not to in order to be our Redeemer. Including, what does Jesus say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What they did didn't they know? They actually thought they were going to get away with it. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What does Stephen, the first martyr, spoken of in the book of Acts? Paul the apostle, Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the apostle, held the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. And what are Stephen's final words? Father, do not lay this sin to their charge. And I can promise you that statement was beating Saul of Tarsus to death. When Jesus' face planted him in the dirt outside the gates of Damascus. Because Jesus says it is hard for you to kick against the goats. Well, so it is with us. When we are being abused for doing the right thing, being Jesus' followers, be, have a forgiving spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, that isn't native to us. That is a Holy Spirit-enabled response. Period. And so we need to walk in humility. As we are being loyal to Jesus in the face of our family, our co-workers, the government, whoever it is. We are to be followed the example of Christ who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And what are Jesus' final words from the cross? The seventh statement from the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he entered into the full embrace of God the Father. He committed everything to his Father. Committed himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't think even in eternity we will be able to fully understand what Jesus, God the Son, come in the flesh, endured on that cross to pay sin's penalty for us. He cried out from the cross, quoting Psalm 22.1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the Garden of Gethsemane, before his arrest, he knows what's coming. And he says, Father, if it be possible, pass this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And at that, very, at that time, his blood pressure is so high, the capillaries are bursting and mixing with his sweat. He is sweating blood because he knows what's coming. And yet he said, not my will, but yours be done. And so, by the Holy Spirit's enabling power, we are to do. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness. Wait, 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 wait uh, uh, Peter, I've died to sins? Yes! Every time we sin as, uh, if you are authentically redeemed and you have and you've taken a public stand for Christ and you've got Jesus as your high priest in the presence of God, and you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, every time you sin, it is a choice you're making. We don't have... sin. Now, nobody ever gets it fully right. I mean, the Apostle John makes it very, very, very clear in 1 John chapter 1. If we walk in the light as he, God, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I'm walking in the light. I'm not the light. He's the light. But he enables me. Nobody ever gets it perfect until we step into the unrestrained presence of God and we've been cleansed by, of our fallen nature. But we still have that indwelling fallen nature along with the indwelling Holy Spirit. We still have a fallen nature. We're surrounded by the world system. And the devil himself, through his emissaries, is constantly trying to pull us away. by whose stripes you were healed, for you were going astray like sheep, but, now, but have now returned to the shep- shepherd and overseers of your souls. He is present with us. That we, having died to sins, whenever I sin, it's a choice I made having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of your souls overseer of your souls he's just spoken to people in relation to their government their local officials as well as the higher officials he's spoken to slaves about their relationship with their owners now wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands. By the way, many of these women reading this or hearing this read in the con- to the congregation are wives of pagans. Jews, Jewish husbands who haven't come to faith in Jesus as their redeemer or pagan own- pagan husbands. This is a difficult environment folks. Wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they're knucklehead unbelievers, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. So here is this pagan guy who's had a pagan wife, and suddenly she she comes to faith in just this fellow Jesus of Nazareth, whoever that guy is, and her behavior, her countenance, her moral choices, her patience level goes up. What? She's following this knucklehead religion, but I'd, I, 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 I kind of like the results I'm seeing here. And some of those husbands will be prompted by what they see in the behavior change in their wives to perhaps give some attention to this Jesus Redeemer fellow. That they, without a word, don't try to, don't jump in and say, okay, hubby, let me tell you what you need to do. No, your principal testimony is your behavior, your character, and your demeanor. That they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. We just prayed a few minutes ago for people who have co-workers that are mocking them, are trying to pull them away into wickedness and all this kind of thing. That's the same kind of environment that these women are in. But what do you do? You walk in the Spirit and you give the results to God. "...that they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear." you become more... Let me tell you something, folks. The pagan culture of the Greek-Roman world was outrageously morally wicked. And they didn't do it in hiding. They did it in public. The pagan worship, they had temple prostitutes, both male and female. It was outrageous level of wickedness, moral wickedness in the Greek-Roman world. And here are these women pulling away from it. And, there, and the men who come to faith in Christ pulling away from it. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair. He, he says, merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold or putting on fan apparel, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. And so that's going to get your husband's attention much more than how you dress or how you do your hair. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. You do good and don't be afraid of their threats because you have a defender who is your redeemer who is your shepherd trust him to be your defender husbands likewise everything i just said you're a man you've come to faith in jesus you got a pagan wife or a jewish woman who's still attached to the law keeping format husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding don't just be demanding look at where they are how are they on the inside what is the culture they're dwelling in and allow them time dwell with them with understanding giving honor to the wife by the way the Christian format, the Christian understanding of a woman as being, having the same standing, the same value before the creator God, that is, a, that is uniquely Christian. Islam doesn't teach that. Mormonism doesn't teach that. None of these pagan religions teach that. Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. She was drawn from your side. Eve was drawn from the side of Adam. Meaning equal. As Augustine, some people call him Saint Augustine, about the third century said, that is so important, the way in which Eve was created. She was drawn, God drew a rib from the side of Adam. Adam and formed the woman from that rib meaning she's under his arm she's in the place of divine protection and provision she was and he goes on to say she wasn't drawn from a chunk of his skull <laughs> meaning she's supposed to dominate him or from a bone from his foot meaning he's supposed to dominate her and stop no god did that deliberately to teach adam and his descendants how the husband is to relate to his wife. I am her provider and protector. I am to honor that reality. He is fully made in the image of God as I am. When Adam was created, so was Eve being created. She hadn't been drawn from his side yet, but she's there. And so we all have the same value before God. Jesus died for the sins of women just as much as men. They are valued as much as men in God's economy, moral economy. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Your job is to be your protector-provider and as being heirs together of the grace of life. You are joined together in marriage to enjoy the gift of life together. You're a partnership that your prayers may not be hindered. Wait a minute. Yeah, husbands, if you don't treat your wife in the proper way, God's going to say, okay, why should I hear your prayers if you're not going to hear your wife's prayers, appeals? God will turn a deaf ear to you if you turn a deaf ear to your wife. Finally, all of you. Now he's addressing them as congregations. All of you be of one mind. Come together with this spiritual format. Be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Look at the needs of your brothers and your sisters. And if you are able, step up and help them meet those needs. Have compassion for one another. Feel with them when they're going through difficulties. Love as brothers. And that word love means be a servant. Agape love is servant love. Love as brothers. Be servants of one another. Be tender-hearted. Be tender-hearted. Don't say, oh, well, never mind. Yeah, no. Don't shrug off other people's problems. No, be tender-hearted. Be courteous. It's very easy to be disrespectful, especially in the pagan Greek-Roman world. Disrespect was a common feature. People wanted to be elevated above other people. No. Be courteous. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil. If somebody does evil to you or reviles you, don't hit them back with the same thing. Jesus didn't, and neither should you. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. If they despise you, don't despise them back. Why? They're made in the image of God. They should be respecting you, but the fact that they're not doesn't mean you should be disrespectful or revile them. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but but on the contrary, blessing. Father, what did Stephen say? Father, do not lay this sin to their charge. What did Jesus say? When they were mocking him. Father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He forgave the people who engineered his crucifixion. And we are to by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Do the same thing. But on the con instead of reviling. But on the contrary. Blessing. Blessing. Knowing that you were called to this. It's contrary to our fallen sinful nature, but that's our calling. But he's granted to us the indwelling Holy Spirit to enable us to walk in defiance of our fallen sinful nature and in the strengthening power of God the Holy Spirit. Knowing that you were called for this, that you may inherit a blessing. Oh, look at that. If I treat people that way, Uh, That incites God to treat me in the same way I treat them. How did Jesus teach us to pray towards the close of what we call the Lord's Prayer? He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as, ouch, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Ah! We're inciting God to follow our example of forgiveness. On the contrary, blessing, knowing you were called to this, that you might inherit a blessing. Don't don't return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Do we want our sins to be forgiven? Yeah. Well, then be generous in your forgiveness of other people. For, and here he quotes from the Hebrew Scriptures, he who would love life and see good days, Here's a basic formula for having a pleasant life. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Don't be a liar. Don't be attacking other people. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Don't be bad, be good. And let him seek peace. And pursue it. Take steps to remove the conflict. Between yourself and other people. Whatever you can do. Now you're not in charge of everything. But with the things that you are in charge of. Take those steps. For the eyes of the Lord. Are on the righteous. Where is God's focus? To whom is he most attentive? His people who are seeking to walk in imitation of him, in imitation of God the Son. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Do I want God to hear my prayers? Then maybe I need to be hearing the prayers, the desires of other people. If I am responsive to the needs of other people, God will be more responsive to my needs. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Do you want God to look at, be looking at you with a sour look on his face? No. You want him to be looking at you with a smile, attentive, loving focus on his face as he's seeking to imitate you in the way you treat others so he will treat you. Now we're coming to the Lord's table. There is no more powerful, straight from the shoulder, deep and high example of a God of love. All the things that the Holy Spirit is pushing through the pen of Peter. This is the most powerful example there can be. Jesus gave himself. This is my body broken for you. This cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you. He's asking us to walk in imitation of his sacrifice for us that we might likewise, yikes, be willing to be sacrificial in our service to other people, sacrificial of ourselves. I'm going to ask Master Meek and Master Adnage to come and join me at the Lord's table. going to.